Welcome to The Fintech Effect. This show is about innovation and the impact that fintechs have had on incumbents and how they are evolving in response. I'm your host, Sue Britton. I've spent my entire career inside big and small fintechs creating solutions for financial institutions. And in every situation, there are a few common characteristics that innovators need. Passion, curiosity, courage, and the willingness to fail. My goal is to share wisdom for those innovating to help them along their journey. Hope you enjoy. Hello, Brandon Milner. Hello, Sue Britton. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Welcome to the FinTech Effect podcast. Thank you. I'm very glad to be here. And, uh, although we're in different parts of the country, it uh, feels like we've never, never been apart. I know. I know. <laughs> I actually, I uh, in our in our sort of prep call, I was uh, thinking about that. That um, you know, there's people that you work with that when you when you don't talk to them for a while and you you know, you reconnect, it feels like yesterday. So that's really interesting. Yeah, no, that's, yeah. Uh, that's, that's important working with good people and people you trust. So absolutely, absolutely. Forever. True enough. So, um, so the FinTech Effect podcast um, is something I started to try and, you know, sort of shed light on what it's like to, uh, to innovate inside big companies, big established companies. And, uh, you are no stranger to that. You've had quite a history of uh, that role um, in a few different, uh, you know, different types of markets. And so why don't we start with maybe a proper introduction um, uh, and a little bit, tell us a little bit about, about your background, your story. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I actually originally started my career off uh, in the financial services sector. So I was an institutional trader for Merrill Lynch. Um, I didn't know that. There you go. Uh, So I did that for about two years after getting my my degree. Um, And then I I, I sort of took a bit of time off, did a bit of traveling and and really figured that I don't want want to live within that financial financial world. But Mm. I'm always intrigued and I love it. And it's, you know, part of a passion of mine. Um, But, you know, I was fortunate enough to be to to be dovetailed into the the dot com boom. Um, and realize that there's an immense opportunity here to to look at companies that are that are taking, you know, I would say arguably legacy legacy systems and platforms and trying to create this thing called a web page and a website. Uh, and VCs, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely aging myself here. I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. that's VCs okay. were like throwing copious amounts of of investments and cash into into these startups. Uh, and at that time I left uh, my home country of South Africa and I moved to the United Kingdom. Um, and I was fortunate enough to, to get an opportunity to see some of these startups pop up um, and realize that I, I wanted to be involved. So that sort of triggered me to realize that I, I needed to obviously strengthen my tech, technical skills. Mm. So I learned, I learned how to code, I learned how to build websites, I learned how to do backend development. Uh, and I did that for about three, four years while I was still working at a couple of the banks. Um, I hope none of them are listening here because they'll probably <laughs> do me because they're like, weren't you supposed to be doing your job? Um, <laughs> but I, uh, 
you know, I found, you know, fast forward 10 years later, I found there was an, an interesting continued conversation that was being had amongst these companies where they wanted to innovate, they wanted to change, but they didn't know how. Uh, or they thought they knew how, but they were really employing legacy tactics and old school thinking to 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 bring things up to speed. And you were seeing these more nimble, smaller companies just popping up and IPOing and doing these crazy unicorn uh, valuations. Um, so leveraging sort of my business acumen as well as my technical skills, which I'd sort of built up over the last three or four years, um, I saw there was a very good opportunity and niche for me particularly to sit in between the two. So mm. <laughs> when we talk to the business about we want to launch this platform and it's going to cost $5 million, money is never a problem, which for me, I never understood why they would just throw money at a, at a, at a solution without <laughs> even looking through it. But then on the technical side, it became a, well, we can't do it this way because AS400 isn't configured or built to do that. Or we can't do this because Oracle doesn't have the module to do that. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, fast forward 15, 20 years, we've got the same problems where it's like, we can't do it. You know, we'd love to innovate. We're seeing all these unicorns pop up. We're seeing all these startups that have this great, like amazing technology, but that's for them. We're too big, right. but we want to use them. So it's a similar kind of dynamic, but it just obviously slightly different and much more mature compared to what it was before, but people are people. So that's, I, you know, yeah. I've, I haven't heard it kind of put that way before. And, but that makes so much sense. Like, you know, it actually is kind of the essence of what, you know, the FinTech effect I think is, which is, you know, I want to be able to be more like this small, nimble company that offers a user experience that everybody wants. But I, uh, there's a 15 bazillion reasons why I can't do that. And, uh, yeah. and then, so then you went on from, you know, from there to actually be in charge of innovation inside of big companies and that's what you do today yeah. tell us a bit about yeah. that yeah yeah that is what i do today and you know and I, I would think i would say very obviously that every job you have every experience you have is a stepping stone to to your next step or your next opportunity uh the important thing is to learn where you've stumbled where you fell so that <laughs> yeah. your next step you're still going to fall and stumble like don't get me wrong but you're not going to fall on your face. So the one thing, you know, I landed now my the job that I'm that I'm currently. I was going to say my final job, but the job that I'm <laughs> wishful thinking. You know, I think that was a slip of slip of the tongue. Um, would really be focused around. So I work now for for Ellis Don, which is uh, one of the largest general contractors uh, in Canada. Hmm. Um, we've been around for I would say seventy to seventy two years. So it is a family-run business, privately held. Uh, but we actually have 24 divisions within Elliston. Um, so we have a capital services group. We have a, a facilities management group, which basically takes care of our hospitals and our, and our projects once they've been built. Mm. Uh, so we have, a, we have a bunch of groups within which I won't rattle them all off onto you. But one of them is, is our digital and data engineering group, which is the group that I belong to. So... I run that group. I'm the SVP of digital and data engineering, uh, which is de facto the CIO. Um, so what does that mean besides a fancy title? Um, <laughs> same problems, different company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The difference here is, is that, you know, through my experiences and we've worked together in, in previous lives, 
you know, so you saw the trials and tribulations, but the one common thread that I've learned amongst um, these big companies is that you need stakeholder engagement mm -hmm. and you need executive buy-in. Those two are the secret source and recipes for any project initiative, whether it's innovation, whether it's like, I want to like sell a yeah. product, yeah. you've got to get that in. And, and they come hand in hand. So, you know, to get executive buy-in is arguably pretty easy. You know, you put together a fancy PowerPoint, you <laughs> say some fancy words and everybody's like, oh my God, that's an amazing idea. We're going to make $10 million. <laughs> now go to the other 4,200 people that they, they need to work with you. Right. Yeah. So the one thing I have learned through the battle scars is that stakeholder engagement piece is key, key, key to success. Now, yeah. mm. on a large corporation, you know as well as I do, because you've actually helped me set that up, is steer co-committees of places where innovation goes to die. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of PowerPoint. <laughs> and a lot of PowerPoint, which thanks to you and your team in, in previous work, oh. I didn't ever do. <laughs> so... <laughs> Because I'm terrible yeah. at it. It's, it's, it's my Achilles heel. So I, I would say, Sue, you know, like my career has, has really brought me to this place. Mm. Um, but what, what I've also done, and, and, you know, we're having a pre-chat before this started about, you know, how long we've known each other, but we haven't spoken in a couple of years. It's, it's working with people that, are, that you trust mm -hmm. and that you've gone through the trenches with and mm -hmm. you've both led the same blood and you've both experienced the same trials and tribulations and heartache and success together mm -hmm. because that only bonds you to to under, to build that understanding of you know how do we do this because there is no silver bullet i can no, tell you that now before this thing starts there's no silver <laughs> bullet of like this is how you run innovation in a, in a corporate environment yeah yeah it's art it's art and it's science art, right an art yeah it's, yeah. It's, yeah there's a bit of science there but it most of it's art around <laughs> Dealing with people yeah. and, yeah. and managing them. So, yeah. so know, how long have you been in this role? So I've been at Ellis Don for in the, almost three years, just three going years. on three years now. Um, feels like a month, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, it's it's been it's been a very interesting ride. Um, and well, tell yeah. us, yeah, tell us about some of the stuff that you've. Um, that you've launched and that you've done since you've been there? Because I think, I don't know how many people know, you know, about Elliston. I found that same thing when you and I worked together at Cadillac Fairview. Like, you hear these big names, you know it's a big company, but maybe if you share a bit of your, you know, what are some of these initiatives that you've launched through innovation, come to understand a little bit more about what, what it is that you do. Yeah, so... I would say, you know, I was very fortunate to inherit a, a very strong and solid team um, that were just maybe slightly misaligned in terms of the goals and the structure to, to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, and they were trying to behave like a startup in a corporate environment on the tech side, which didn't work. So, you know, my first role when I got there, my first task, I should say, when I got there was to, to, to formulate some kind of structure and framework and processes that would not that wouldn't hinder innovation and growth, but would really just get people aligned in terms of this is what we need to do. This is a roadmap. This is how we get it done. Full awesome. stop. Yeah. Yep. Now, fast forward a year or, or so later, you know, and that is total testament to the team that that's under me. They're 
they're on you know well-oiled machine doing what they need to do which has now given us the fortitude to to look outside of elliston and to the entire industry i want to say into the construction industry which comprises of and i'm going to miss some pieces but really it's general contractors subcontractors and supply chain okay. those are the three biggies that fit in there's obviously millions of little things that come in but those are the big big pillars i should say um and we you know the decision was made thankfully to our, our former ceo jeff smith who smith he was you know it's a family run business so he it was his 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 and his family's business and he started building his mandate was 20 years ago that we should own our own domain and what oh. he meant by that was he created a, a strategy called cradle to grave hmm. which which ultimately means to that we do we we as an elston do everything from the cradle to the grave okay so whatever we do we're going to build it and now that focus you know primarily around technology we're going to build the technology we're going to run it we're going to manage it we're going to own it okay we're going to our data we're going to collect our own data we're not going to be reliant too reliant on third parties yes that's a long whole strategy versus you know partnering yeah uh, but it's led us to this point where we have around about 15 to 20 years of expertise um, within the digital engineering group that's allowed us to start looking externally and saying, how do we get the industry elevated as a whole? Hmm. So we formed a division called Building Digital. Um, and Building Digital, we created the website, we put all of our services on there, you know, the typical stuff, hmm. and crickets, nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> And and a lot of us who have done these kind of initiatives know that it's it's not just about building. If you build it, they will come. Right. It's yeah. about being genuine and about being actually collaborative with the industry. So we we set up one of the exciting things that we just launched was a construction technology accelerator. Um, so anybody who's familiar with incubators and accelerators, you, mm -hmm. you would know what I'm talking about. But ultimately, what it meant was we wanted to look outside of just Canada, but globally. So we partnered up with a company called Impulse Partners out of mm -hmm. Paris. Uh, they help, helped us sort of set it up and get the framework going. Um, we sent out a proposal. We, we were fortunate, very fortunate to get about 108 applicants come in. Oh, wow. Which, just so you know, on a scale, normally there's about 20 to 35 that, that apply. We had 108. So we knew straight away there's appetite. Right. And it wasn't just because it's Elliston, because people in Australia haven't really heard of Elliston. Right. So, <laughs> um, so we, we culminated that into a, a demo day and, you know, the usual stuff. We got some winners. Now we're partnering and working with those, those three companies to broaden their, their sort of exposure of their platforms and their technology within all of our sites. So we have about 280 active projects going on at any one time across Canada hmm. and Middle East. Uh, and now they have an opportunity to scale and grow with us. But we, on the flip side, we also have an opportunity to leverage these wonderful technologies. So right. building digital is really the, the, the anvil to drive these kind of initiatives. But it also allows us to keep the lights on within digital and data engineering. So all of our platforms, which we've built the equivalent of Procore, which is a construction ERP. Uh, we built one which we called Gate 3. Our team still runs it, manages it, runs all of our uh, insights and analytics, runs all of our cybersecurity. And now we're, we're looking to use building digital to sort of catapult that forward and say to the industry, 
we can help you do the same thing. Mm. You know, we can add con- we could act as consultants, we can act as we could build it for people, things like that. So these are the kind of initiatives that are so outside of the technology world, but are very forward thinking in terms of helping the industry. Obviously, it's you know, for, from our perspective, we get to hone our skills even more by helping others. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's sort of those are the these sort of the things that we're that we're looking at and mm. and broaden out. You've probably heard me say this before, but um, oftentimes companies will do things like what you've described, like the, I think it's called, is it called tech con? No, contact. Contact. Contact, contact, proptech. Just remember those three. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, But, you know, uh, oftentimes it ends up being more innovation theater. And, um, and, you know, whether that's to sort of uh, give the appearance that, you know, there's innovative things happening. Um, and then these, you know, companies often come to these accelerators and, comp- you know, pitch contest competitions and are very um, happy to win, but unhappy to never go anywhere. Right. Yeah. You've, we've both been through that. Um, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes I think that is, uh, not theater. It's just, there wasn't the right fit or there wasn't the right opportunity. But well, it what, wasn't the right time. Yeah. Right. Right. But what, what do you think you've done in this case to make sure that this is both worthwhile for you and for your customers, but also worthwhile for those, those startups or companies? Right. Yeah, so it goes back to really the beginning of this conversation around the stakeholder engagement. Mm, so yeah, before sure. we launched this con- Contech Accelerator, you know, I met with several leaders of our operations team, our construction operations team, and I talked to them about it. Um, we also had, and I, and I sort of disseminated the message and got their buy-in. Mm. We also have, we're currently running a um We've been doing it now for about a year and a half now. What we call our pilot program. Mm. So we'll we'll invite or, or we'll people will just reach out to us about hey we have this technology we'd love to talk to you about what we could do for you. That goes through our pilot program. So our pilot program is really exactly what it says. Sure, we love your technology. We don't know if it's the real deal. We'll pilot it on one or two or three of our projects, see how it goes, and then you can scale. Um, that in itself was a was a great mechanism in order to help our operations team build up the credit build let us build up the credibility towards the operations team to be like okay they brandon and his team know kind of what they're doing mm-hmm. they're gonna do what they're gonna do and they are helping us so the very big difference between construction prop tech and fintech is that the construction industries are very unforgiving if you say you're going to do something, you do it. If you don't do it, then you're kind of forgotten. So okay. Interesting. credibility is key. So I would say that was that's the success we've achieved through that is with the once the contact accelerator happened, we got our winners. It wasn't then a, okay three winners. Uh, you know, the winners were provision, the link, and site link. Um, Give us a couple of months and we'll get back to you because now I have to tell everybody about it. Right. We'd already conceded that stuff with our team. So that once they'd won, we also invited the construction guys to come and vote and, and be oh, part perfect. of the 
Yeah. And yeah. in that way, they, they felt engaged, but they also realized that this is real. It's tangible. Right. This is not us going up on stage and talking about how AI is going to change the construction industry and ML. <laughs> everybody else have an ML model built into their platforms. Like, okay, but what does that mean? Yeah. It's meat and potatoes. So we we <laughs> have a problem. You have a solution. Let's put the two of you together and try to see if we can solve it. And I'm not saying all of these things worked out of the gate, but the pilot program was a great test bed to see what we could work, what wouldn't work. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm like I said, there's no, we, we're not <laughs> perfect, we're learning, but building digital as part of Elliston will help us build up that credibility so that people trust us enough to say, you guys kind of, you know, ate your own dog food, you're doing it yourself. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, you, you have 20 years experience, maybe we can have a conversation as yeah. opposed to, you know, we're not yeah. sure if this is innovation theater or not. Right, right. Oh, that's excellent. And what what did you find? So you had a lot of um, a lot of startups respond to, you know, the I guess um, the first, you know, sort of outreach. But what what's the industry like? Like you and I have talked about, I think somewhere up behind me is the fintech wheel that, yes, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's funny when I look back on it because it's like so many logos. How could anybody ever get anything from it other than, wow, it's pretty big. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, but um, what's it like in your space? Like, it's you know, it's I, I often draw analogies, especially like at conferences or if I'm doing webinars and things that that it is is it so uncannily like coincidental that the fintech and the prop tech market was exactly where the contact market is now. So hmm. five, six, seven years ago, you know, everybody had that wheel. Yeah, you know, like. Well, how do you choose? How do you know? There needs to be a consolidation in the market for sure within yeah. the con construction tech space. I believe that building digital and Elliston are, could be one of those people that can help do that. Mm, um, because we have the process and the framework to, to take that wheel of five, six, seven hundred startups, right. pick the winners and not and not pick the winners based on if they're going to unicorn or not. Pick the winners of are they solving for legitimate solutions or sorry, legitimate problems within our, our industry? Yes, some of them will, mm -hmm. but where it's very different to the prop tech and the FinTech space, our industry is that there is no one solution out there that fixes everything mm -hmm. because each project is different. Each site is different. Each initiative is different. So you build a condo, you think, oh, it's a cookie cutter methodology. It's not. Every project is different. So how do you yeah. find a technology that solves for that? You don't. But what you do is you find a string of beads or a string of technologies that you can yeah. piece together right. and you create bracelets. So I think cool. our industry is also very scared to share as well. It, why um, is that? Yeah, I mean, I, it might is that somewhat connected to the, um, you know, it sounds like fear of failure or you can't fail? <laughs> I think a little bit about that. I, th I think, sorry, I stand corrected. I think a lot has to do with that. Mm. Our margins in the business are very small. Mm. Okay. The, er the margin of error, therefore, is small. But the downside is a massive amount of dollars that could go wrong. So right. Right. every project or every superintendent has their own little budget that they work with and they have $1,000 to spend. If they go over, you know, 
thousand dollars they're getting barked at by the client and being like well why are you spending all this money and you said it was a fixed price and blah 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 so yeah. we're so they're so price or we are so price conscious that it's hard to be innovative and hard to try and, and be experimental knowing that it may fail mm-hmm. and then you're like you know what i'm gonna just stick to my pen and my paper and my excel because <laughs> yeah. it's for the last 40 years or 30 years so yeah that is, that's a challenge it's yeah. no doubt that is i would say the biggest challenge and then the final part about to answer your question why don't we share um there's a lot of ip in how people do things and how they build oh interesting that's so kind of like well i don't want to show you because then you're going to get a competitive advantage and then suddenly now we don't we're not going to win the next bid hmm. it's all it's all it's a fallacy in my opinion yeah um, you're either good at something or you're not good at it. So yeah. Was that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, um, so you've been there for three years, you've launched some things, you've got a great team, um, you know, and hopefully this continues for years and years to come until you decide you don't want to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so often innovation gets shut down. Um, and often it gets shut down because there's just certain things, certain conditions, you know, I still, I still have my 10 conditions for success. (laughs) I don't know if you, you probably don't remember them, but, um, I don't remember them off by heart, but I remember most of them. And I still think they're mostly true. I mean, I, or at least, you know, they certainly have been from experience. So future will, um, will, will dictate that, but you know, like there's, you know, you need to have a specific, specific financial, you know, commitment to innovation, right? Yeah. There's one. What's the, what are the things that make it work at Elliston, do you think? Um, I would say not promising or over-promising, both mm-hmm. those words, um, revenue. Mm. Like that is the biggest pitfall that I, in my humble opinion, that any person that's trying to set up corporate innovation can do. We need $10 million and we're going to make you 400 million. <laughs> it was that easy. Trust me. So I, I wouldn't be speaking to you right now. I'd be on my boat. So, <laughs> yeah. Leaves, but yeah. I think that that's problem number one. Now, problem number two, I think it's what worked for us is we took a very calculated measured approach. So we set up the pilot program, not even thinking that it was an innovation framework, that yeah. it was just, we're going to just try something small, okay. low impact, low cost, um, and very, and that as least disruptive as possible to the organization as whole, as a mm. whole. Mm-hmm. That, that I think was one of the big, oh my gosh. Okay. That's, that's the first hurdle to try take over. Right. Try. Now, you know, and, and when you actually taught me about innovation was <laughs> that, um, Innovation is meant to fail. Yeah. You are meant to fail. And it sounds so clicky and cliched, but it is so true because mm-hmm. if you don't fail, I use the very childish analogy of walking up the steps. You'll never learn that, oh, you know, when there's a bigger step, you've got to just be careful. When If you see a crack, you've got to move to the right. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it works. It totally works. But, but it yeah. works. So I think from my perspective, that is where it's, that was the, the one side of the scale, why it's working at Elliston, a, a slow measured approach to innovation, not overcommitting to dollar revenues, things like that. Yeah. And on the second piece, we were actually just very fortunate that our that our former CEO and now our current CEO are both 
very engaged in in the technology space okay and very engaged not in the innovation space but in the technology construction tech space and know that there's a vast opportunity for us selfishly as Ellis Don and building digital mm-hmm. to to be able to leverage our expertise in in a different diversified diversified sort of way not right. true construction so yeah not many gcs have 24 divisions within them we have our own <laughs> capital services group and our you know yeah. that do a bonding and financing ourselves yeah that doesn't really happen often so I would say the other end of the scale, why it's so far been a success and hopefully touch wood, it'll keep going, <laughs> is that the leadership like wants innovation. So Elliston's culture is very, very entrepreneurial. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. business, entrepreneurial. They give you chances to do things. Don't mess it up because you will you will get punished. <laughs> sure. <laughs> or ridiculed, I should say, not fired, but ridiculed. And, yeah. Sure. And just put it back in your box and, you know, but it, it is very much a, well, let's try something. If it doesn't work, we can always go back to pen, paper and Excel because we yeah. know how to do it that way. So yeah. yeah, I think the industry in general is like that. Elliston has just taken the, it's not only us, there are a few, especially down in the States yeah. that have taken the first leap of faith forward. Um, well, and and, it, and I tell. Yeah, and I think that that, um, I mean, it rings true to me. I, I remember being that early in my career, that, you know, individual contributor who wanted to do something differently. And the problem, if you if that's not supported at the top, is, you know, it's uh, it just creates all sorts of, you know, um, disruption internally. And yeah. so I think that the, having the leadership have the vision... But then also, too, I'm sure, and I don't know if this is the case, but I'm sure along the way, people have said, well, why are we doing this? Like, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we shouldn't spend money on this or that as it relates to. Oh. And and leaders have to remain committed. Yes. Right? And say, well, you know what? Like, because the thing is, like, I'm, I haven't, I've only done one startup where I built a product and then mm-hmm. the other startups are services. So there's not you know, there's no comparison, but when you're building a product, it takes time <clears throat> to generate the revenue and to find the right fit in the market and to make money and to have the trust of customers. Like, so it should take time to yeah. create, you know, new things inside of Elliston. You can't, right? Like if, sure. so time is just one of those things that, you know, you have to be patient, which means you have to have commitment. To knowing that it's then yeah. you 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 articulated that so brilliantly because you know we, we we're part of a, a group called Built Worlds. Mm. Um, Built Worlds is really a construction marketing event conference that happens right times a year, and as part of that we're part of the Venture Forum section. Cool. So the Venture Forum is exactly what you think it is. It's venture capitalists within the construction industry, and one of the companies stood up. Um, and they gave a little sort of spill about how they've been successful and why they've been successful comparatively to other VCs. Mm. <laughs> and um, they said something very insightful. They're like, you know, when and me and you know this because we're both pretty well experienced within the VC world. You know, you're looking for an ROI within 18 months, some <laughs> kind of ROI, 18 months to two years max. In the construction VC world, their secret source is exactly what you just said, patience. Mm-hmm. 
no revenue is going to be generated or i should say that's not true there'll be they won't companies won't be cash flow positive mm-hmm. for at least three to four years yeah yeah it's simple as that and that's not because it's a crappy product it's because the engagement and the absorption into the industry is so slow yeah um yeah so it's a patience game you're right and yeah. Yeah. If the VCs are starting to figure it out, I think corporations need to start figuring it out as well. That yeah. it's not, we built this product, and I know which product you're talking about, and it was successful, but like that's one of the rare things, right? Where you build yeah. a product, works, and it's, everybody gets money and everybody's happy. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's a patience game for sure. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I like when you fire your innovation team or you, you know, take, all the funding away or whatever, it typically doesn't have to do with the work people are doing, right? No. It has to do with you. You actually are not really looking for innovation. You're looking for, you know, revenue growth or you're looking for whatever. And um, just maybe to take you back to your old, you know, financial technology world, you know, I I look at, um, you know, like the unfortunate part about being a public company is you can't, you can't all of a sudden say, you know, well, we're going to take this billion dollars and we're going to put it towards something else like, I don't know, digital banking. And (laughs) um, we're going to miss our targets and you shareholders are going to, you know, not get a dividend now. The world ends, right? You just can't do it. But, but it's a, it's, I think it's a real dilemma because I look at our, I mean, in Canada anyway, our, the industries, the public companies, you know, very, it's one of those, we have an oligopoly economy in Canada in in terms of public companies. And every industry is really dominated by very large companies of which there's maybe three, four or five of, Mm. um, and they can't afford to innovate. No, because they can't afford to to risk that market share or their shareholders or yeah. 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 It's uh, I had someone tell me this a long time ago. It's like if you if you're working at a company that issues a dividend, then it means that they can't invest in innovation. And I was like and I was kind of, a, you know, younger and kind of green or whatever. And I'm like, what, is, what does that mean? But it, now you think about it, like it's all about the almighty, you know, return to the shareholders. Yeah, It's a tough I mean, there's ways to solve for that, but it's it's uh that's probably another thing that, you know, you're fortunate to have in the case of Elliston is it's private. It's private. And, and funnily enough, we actually, you know, the, the Smith family who are, who, who run and well, they own Elliston or started and, and run mm. Ellis and own Elliston. Uh, we've actually started an employee share program mm. where the employees are now, you know, I don't know what the end, what the date is, but the goal is to have a hundred percent employee owned um, shares. Wow. So wow. we do issue dividends to our shareholders, ironically. Um, and, but it, I agree with you. It's very different to a public uh, yeah. domain public yeah. offering. You know, it's, it's, it would be cheeky to, to try compare the two. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, no, I, I but even though it's, <laughs> That that mantra, Sue, even within a privately held company that is going to become oh, there's still that question and that has been raised. We're spending some money on this technology stuff, in quotes. Yeah. 
where what about shareholder value like does that mean i'm not getting a dividend this year yeah yeah now it's a mostly different reaction to you know four and a half thousand people versus a publicly traded company that is tens of thousands so yeah yeah it's an I industry do day that that we have yeah. to be fiscally responsible for sure for sure um, yeah. but yeah, yeah it's, it's tough very tough i don't You're right. I don't know enough about this, but I was um, noticing that Netflix, somebody was writing about Netflix recently and, you know, how they lost a whole bunch of subscribers and everybody was all worried about them. And now they're like, you know, whatever the chart was, it was about, um, you know, monthly active users and it's just gone like, like this. Mm. And sure. So you can maybe have a dip because you have to change your business model or you have to, you know, stop letting 18 family members use your one Netflix subscription <laughs> for $7, but geez. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, uh, oh, anyway, interesting. We could, I'm sure we could talk about lots and lots and lots of stuff, but, um, so I, you know, what would you, what advice would you give, you know, to let's say someone like you, inside of a company who hasn't maybe has some of the same conditions for success, mm -hmm. but, you know, hasn't got a lot of experience yet um, trying to actually, you know, affect change. What would you do? I mean, besides wishing them good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. That's not, don't do that. Cause that's, that's, they're going to be like, Oh, <laughs> uh, honestly, it's, uh, you know, I would say my biggest piece of advice is to not is to is to not rush things and to be patient. Mm. Um, you know, whether it's whether it's in the construction space or, or outside of the construction space or the retail space, everything takes a day plus a month. It really does. <laughs> and cash flow, I know for starting a business, you know, if, if you're talking about people that are innovators that are starting a business, cash flow is king. I yeah. get it. I know that. Yeah. There's never a world where you could just very rarely just re not not need the money. You know, <laughs> yeah. Money. Yeah. Um, I would say my advice is really around being having a little bit of a tough skin. So <laughs> not taking things personally. Now, over my career, I I've built a lot of products, mm -hmm. never for myself, always for companies. Yeah. Um, and a vast majority of them have failed yeah. or, or launched into, when I say failed, launched into market and then sort of fizzled out. Sure. Yeah. Take everything with the, with a quasi kumbaya attitude of we're going to learn from this mm -hmm. because if you, if you take it personally, you'll get de dejected and demoralized so quickly. Yeah. You will yeah. end up just working at a, at a retail store, you know, for an hourly rate and just be like, I had this great idea, but I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. Yeah. Care, which is great for some people, but for people that want to create innovation, you know, working behind a counter is just, they're never going to get there or feel that cheap. Yeah. I'd say the other thing for me is really, you know, besides the patience and then not taking things personally, is once you start engaging with, with clients or mm -hmm. with partners even, mm -hmm. uh, be, but at your core, you have to be open to changing. And mm. the Netflix thing actually gave, reminded me of things of if they never changed their business model yeah everybody whined and complained like whoa what do you mean like now i'm now my cousin in in argentina can't use the same account as me but like why not what do you care well we care because it's a business mm -hmm. so they needed to change their 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 model they didn't change their product but they changed their model yeah 
you know as well as I do that the product that you launch with is very rarely the product that goes to market. Yeah, yeah. So when I say launched, I mean like you start with. So I, I would say be open to that as well. Yeah. Be flexible and be and and be really resonant resonant to accepting help. Mm. Sometimes and and I've tra- I've the the implementation for building digital our sort of mission is like build by a partner or mm-hmm. strategic partner. Mm-hmm. So we could build it ourselves because we have a team of 200. We could, you know, buy some software which doesn't yeah. really help us or we could strategically partner like yeah. so be open to those kind of those that flexibility. You've got to be flexible and yeah. you have to know that you need stakeholder engagement and senior stakeholder engagement. So I was going to say, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to tell you that I think one of the things that you do probably unconsciously or innately or whatever the way you want to describe it is you actually have a beautiful way of, you know, managing relationships internally (laughs) to like, and authentically, like not like, oh, I'm just, you know, oh my gosh, I remember somebody who used to say, oh, you know, you gotta, you gotta um, socialize. And it, that became uh, like yeah. a dirty word for me because it's like socialize. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> but it's, it's, it is like actually caring about what your colleagues think yeah. and getting their buy-in and recognizing that, you know, without them, you're likely not going to succeed. So and- you do that on you do that very very well and i think thank that's you. really important too thank you yeah i, I appreciate that too and, and i think you know it's also having a team around you that can help you do that and yeah and and w- when you are in very big quotes socializing things or getting getting people's <laughs> buy-in mm-hmm. is more important it's important that you that you're authentic in the sense of you admit your failures like mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we want to do this it's not perfect we're figuring it out but we kind of need your help to help us figure it out we'll do all the heavy lifting but there's a massive upside shareholder yeah. increased revenue increased dividends increased blah 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 so yep I th- that's actually a good point that i didn't really think of is is you know maybe it is because i just it's the way i like to work is just be authentic and honest about things don't yeah yeah sugarcoat and don't put wool over people's eyes because it's it's not it's it's just not fair to be honest with you there are yeah no there are no superheroes in innovation (laughs) (laughs) none maybe you maybe you're a superhero no definitely not no anyway (laughs) (laughs) it was great to talk to you i really feel like um I feel like that people will get a lot from this conversation and, and, um, Mm -hmm. and I did, and of course I always do, but, um, it's great to, it's great to hear you so passionate and also, you know, so, um, uh, humble about what you're doing. Cause I, it's no small feat to do the job you're doing. And, and, uh, I also appreciate the time cause I know you're a busy guy well, today's daughter's birthday, so I'm actually have a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Good. See, you're yeah. prioritizing. It's the middle of the day, yeah. and you're prioritizing. Yeah. You know, he's out shopping, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Spending lots of money. Exactly. Anyway, well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank Appreciate you. It. And always good to chat with you. And um, anytime.